a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. Let's start with a short introduction. Those of you who have listened before will be familiar with this, but we'll go over things briefly for those listening for the first time. This is a fan podcast, and the opinions expressed are just ours. Please consider visiting trekkercomic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. There you'll find the latest Trekker news, as well as a brand new page of the Trekker comic that's available every Monday. He also does informative blog posts on Thursday, where he shares insights into the process of creating comics and his inspirations for Trekker. For instance, I really enjoyed a recent post where he shares that another of his sources of inspiration comes from Doug Wildey through Johnny Quest. If you're a fan, you'll know those terrific adventure stories are to be found in those cartoons and comic books. Ron points out the importance of Wildey's strong sense of design. I'll encourage you to take a moment to check out that post. Any Star Wars fans out there will certainly enjoy another recent post that was about his time on the miniseries Star Wars Shadows of the Empire Evolution. Check out the site to see samples of his work on that title. As a side note, we plan to cover that miniseries on the podcast in a few months to coincide with the release of the new Star Wars movie. We plan to do similar tie-in podcasts covering Ron's time on Supergirl to coincide with the new television series this fall. And we'll cover Ron's time on the Star Trek comics when the new Star Trek movie is released next year. We hope you'll enjoy hearing about these other titles that Ron Randall has worked on as well. And at TrekkerComic.com, you will find links to all of the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including links for Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and of course, his Patreon page, where if you want, you can become a patron of the arts and help support the creation of brand new Trekker material. Very nice. Ron Randall was recently at the Northwest Comic Fest, and as he said on his Facebook page, he did a little Trekker talk of his own. He had a discussion panel presentation about Trekker at the event, and he was also interviewed for the website Penguinate.com and they posted an article on their website as well as a video of a portion of his presentation at the con. We'll include a link to the article and video in our show notes, so please check it out to see Ron Randall talking about Trekker in his own words. I'm sure that was a busy weekend for him with the convention setup activities, long hours on the convention floor, and travel time just getting there and back. Yet sadly, that Monday morning when we got up and went to check out the new page at trekkercomic.com, we were sorry to see that the page was down. We live on the other side of the country from Ron Randall, so we're in an earlier time zone. And all we could think about was that it was still night for him, and he was probably still sleeping after a tiring weekend and would wake only to find his sight was down. Then we saw that fellow Trekker fan and podcast listener Timothy G. Kramer, who lives in Europe, so he's in an even earlier time zone than us, and he had already messaged Ron Randall to let him know about the issue. For those of you who follow Ron Randall on social media, you know that he had a very busy day that Monday fixing the problems with the site, but he kept fans updated throughout the day using his other social media outlets, and he had the page fixed by the end of what I'm sure was a very exhausting day. We hope you rested well after all of that, Mr. Randall. During this podcast, we'll occasionally refer to page numbers related to the story. Trekker has been published in various formats, including individual issues of a solo series, various specials, and multi-part stories in the anthology series Dark Horse Presents. For our references, we're using the page numbers from the Trekker Omnibus, which is a collection published in 2013 that includes all of the Trekker material up to that point in time. We've chosen to use the Trekker Omnibus since it is easily available and can be found at a good price. It is available in print in a graphic novel collection, or you can download a digital copy from Comixology, the Dark Horse Comics app, and also from Amazon Kindle Store. 
If you happen to own any of the books in any of the digital platforms, please consider taking a moment to rate the books. As I may have shared before, I would be so very happy to read some five-star ratings out there to help encourage new readers try out the books. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the story The Babel Canon, Part 1, which was featured in issue number 5 of Trekker and was published in January 1988. And later in the episode, we'll share your comments and the feedback we've received since the previous episode. You may have heard me say before that I think the show is so much more fun for everyone when we hear from you. So do please write in and let us know your thoughts about Trekker and the stories and art that we're discussing. I'm always interested in how others discovered the series and what they like best about it. Please feel free to point out anything we missed or share additional points of view on the art, characters, and plot. We really want to know, and we're sure others do as well. So listen at the end of the episode for some ways to contact us, and we'll include your comments in a future episode. Trucker number 5 was published by Dark Horse Comics with a cover date of January 1988. Sequentially, this is the sixth Trekker story and it appears sixth in the Trekker omnibus from pages 145 to 166. At Ron Randall's official Trekker comic site, the story is listed as Trekker Book 6, The Babel Canon, Part 1. The story is in black and white and is written and illustrated by Ron Randall with letters by Ken Brusnack. The cover features Mercy standing on the side of a mountain of crystal shards. Paul and another man in the background are on the mountain with her. All three have their weapons drawn and are firing into the sky, where we see a fleet of small ships flying toward them with their weapons blazing. Our story opens with Molly at Mercy's flat, feeding Scuff, when Uncle Alex arrives to leave a couple of messages for Mercy when she returns from her trip. Molly takes the opportunity to ask about Mercy's parents, since Mercy never mentions them. We learn that her mother died when Mercy was very young. Then Alex describes her father, his brother Alan, as a good man and a good cop but things went badly for him, and he is dead now as well. Alex stops there and says, Mercy will tell Molly more when she's ready to. The two then wonder what fun Mercy and Paul must be having on their Venusian tour. We transition to a scene of Mercy in a jail cell, and she believes the police are dragging their feet about checking out her story since she's a trekker. Paul arrives to release her and give her a key to a room he got for the two of them. Mercy starts to get argumentative about the amount of time she's been in the cell, but Paul tells her she should be happy to be getting out at all. As Mercy leaves the police station, she hears a familiar voice call out to her using the name Firecracker. It's the previously unnamed Rigel agent she met some time ago. He introduces himself. His name is Jason Bolt, and he tells Mercy she's received a Retta message from Rigel that was intended for him. Mercy takes Bolt back to the room that she and Paul are sharing to discuss the Retta message. Bolt explains that it's just as important to keep the news of the Retta image from the police as it is to retrieve the satchel that Lantis escaped with in the previous issue. Bolt proceeds to tell Mercy about Dr. Lewis Retcherton, who is conducting research in the hopes of developing a machine to transmit messages from one mind to another for communication and understanding. However, he couldn't control the levels of psychic data, leading to subjects who were stunned or even killed. This drew the attention of the government, who imagined using the machine now known as the Babel Cannon to attack entire cities using a genetically modified brain to maximize the weapon's power. However, before testing was completed, Dr. Retcherton and the other scientists were killed, and the plans and the genetic brain were stolen by the woman Mercy knows as Lantis, but whose real name is Seva. Bolt explains that he isn't interested in the weapon. Rigel wants the information in the hopes of using the machine for its original purpose. He has maps to Delphron and wants Mercy to come with him to find Seva's hideout. Just then, Paul walks in and Mercy asks him if he would like to join them on a little trip. Mm -hmm. 
As Bolt's ship flies to Delphron, Paul is questioning Mercy. He doesn't trust Bolt, and he doesn't believe in the Babel canon. But as their conversation continues, Mercy starts to wonder if his problems with Bolt are just jealousy. The two begin to fight again, and Mercy heads to the bridge to distract herself by searching the charts to look for the location from the Retta image in her head. Paul offers to keep a lookout for enemies from the ship's weapons station, but Bolt tells him his ship has no weapons. Just then, Mercy announces that she's found their destination in the charts, the city of Rulvi. Bolt knows of it, a mining town gone bust that has been abandoned for years. He then explains that there should be a second level to the Retta image with more information. He lands the ship near Walvi and asks Paul to keep lookout while he extracts the rest of the message from Mercy's mind. Extracting the message involves turning the lights down low and getting Mercy to relax by massaging her neck and shoulders. Paul enters the room wondering what's going on, but he has more important information. A patrol is approaching. Just then, Mercy sees the rest of the Retta image in her mind. There's a side entrance into one of the Trilu Crystal Mountains near Walvi. Thankfully, the patrol passes to the west of their ship, but Paul wants to know what Bolt would have done if they had come their direction since the ship doesn't have any weapons. Bolt replies, I don't use guns. I don't kill. I'd run. Rigel doesn't believe in killing. Two men notice an electrical storm is building in the mountains in the distance, and they know it's time to get moving. Bolt weaves the ship through the crystal mountains until the storm begins to affect their systems. They land and step outside to get their bearings. Just then, a fleet of small ships converge on their location with guns blazing, and the issue ends with the image from the cover. All right, that was another big cliffhanger this issue, but also lots of character interaction and development. What did you think of the story? Well, it happened again, Darren. I got to the end and did not want to quit reading. I kept wanting to know what would happen next, and I think this is truly a sign of good storytelling. It's where finish one issue and you're ready for the next because you're so caught up in the story and so engaged in the moment that you can't believe it's stopping. I agree. It was definitely a fast-paced story. Lots happened in those few pages. Well, let's do our quick page flip through the story. First off, I just want to start with the cover this time, because this is one of my favorite covers from the original run, along with the Scarman's Burn cover. Those two are a couple of my favorites, and I've made very nice t-shirts out of both of them as well. I love the sharp edges on the mountain there. Just a lot of action going on in that scene. So looking at the very first page of the book, on 147, I enjoy seeing Molly stopping by to help out her friend Mercy while she's away, and appreciated getting to see the close-up of Scuff's food can, and noticed that it was called Doc's food. I thought that was a nice little touch. I enjoyed these first couple of pages. There's great use of shadows and light during the conversation between Alex and Molly, and we get some interesting hints about Mercy's past, just enough to intrigue us and just enough to set up future stories. Then on to the splash page. Mercy looks so angry in her jail cell. She is staring directly at the reader with a very threatening expression. You really would not want to cross her path in the mood that she's in. Very intimidating. Yes, she looks frightening there. And as Mercy's leaving the police station over on page 151, we get to see Bolt again. Of course, we didn't know his name before, but we learned it in this issue. We just got a hint about him earlier in the series, and he makes for an interesting counterpoint of view to Mercy since he doesn't believe in violence. 
And then if we continue on over to pages 152 and 153, as Bolt and Mercy are talking, we get the setup for this story arc. That sort of started in the previous issue when we met Lantis. But here we learn her real name is Seva, and we learn what was really in the satchel from that previous issue. Then turning on over, we see Paul come in, and Mercy invites him to join them on their trip. And then at the top of page 155, we get this great scene of Bolt's ship lifting off and flying towards space. And then poor Paul and Mercy are arguing again. This just hasn't been the vacation that Paul had hoped for. And if we continue on their traveling through space, we get to page 159. We get another great scene of Bolt's ship, this time flying toward the abandoned city of Rolvi in the distance. And flipping over to the next couple of pages, we get more of the jealousy story as Bolt coaxes the second part of the Reddit image from Mercy's mind. And then, of course, he does successfully coax that message because at the bottom of 161, she realizes where they need to go. But then Paul comes in. There's a patrol approaching. And over the next couple of pages, we have a conversation between Paul and Bolt. And during that time, we learn a lot more about Bolt and we learn a lot more about Rigel. And I really appreciate the character poses on these pages. All very well done. And continuing on to page 165, there's a nice scene of the ship flying quickly toward the Crystal Mountains in the hopes of beating the storm. There's great use of shadows and light in the panel with Mercy and Bolt in the bottom corner. Yeah, that's really a stunning panel there that you're pointing out. I like it. And then we turn over to page 166 and can't believe that the story's already over, but we do get another stunning alternate version of the cover image. Very nice. So let's talk next about our favorite pages and panels. Would you like to go first? Yes, let me, but I need to flip back. Join me to look for page 157, and I have found it. This page, really do appreciate the layout of the panels, with my favorite panels being the ones in the middle that end up having a widescreen effect and the point of view of the camera. Really do appreciate that. And of course, there's starry skies. We've got the ship also, so fan of the space scenes as well makes for a nice page. And interestingly, my favorite page is just the next one up, uh, number 158. Love the scene on the bridge. Again, great use of the black and the white, the shadows, starry skies in the background. Just the flow of the stories, the way the panels and the figures play out. Just very engaging to me and love that last panel of the view of Mercy looking for the map that she needs to find. It looks like we're going to stay in the same general area for our favorite pages because if you turn just one page to page 159, you'll get my runner-up page. Really liked the variety on this page. The very first panel is this scene from outside Bolt ship, looking into it through the viewport, seeing the different characters. And then there are three lovely character panels in the center of the page, including a beautiful portrait-style picture of Mercy right in the center of the page. And then to top it off at the very bottom of the page, you have this really nice flying sequence of Bolt's ship heading toward the abandoned city in the background. I really liked it. That's yeah, a nice effect there. You can see the movement of the ship. And then we don't have to turn back very far to page 155 for my favorite page. So it's interesting. Our favorite page is all we're in about a five-page span here. But yeah. I really love page 155. It has so much variety. It starts off with a great scene of Bolt's ship lifting off and flying into space. You get to see another one of Ron Randall's stunning cityscapes that he just draws so well. I love the imagination of them. 
the ship designs that I always love of his, and it's flying into this dusky night sky toward a planet above it. I love that. And then we get a really nice panel in the center of the page, which is an overhead view of Mercy climbing up one of the ladders within Bolt's ship. I just love that perspective, looking down past her toward Paul, who's talking to her from below. At the bottom of the page, on the left side, you get a lovely silhouette of Mercy as she is standing and talking to Paul. Again, a great use of shadows and light, black and white, that Ron Randall does so well. And then the very last panel, you just have these two great pictures of Paul and Mercy that look stunning. It is a gorgeous page. Really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So let's talk about favorite panels. Okay, let's look at my favorite panels uh, on page 151. Very top left corner, there's a scene of Mercy walking down the street. Her cape is flowing in the background and just a nice little snapshot of a city scene. So really do enjoy that. And my favorite is on page 155. I need to flip over a couple of pages. I believe this was a favorite page of yours. I've chosen the very top panel. So that gorgeous, gorgeous scene of some alien, futuristic city, the sky, all of that is gorgeous. So that's my winner for this this time. All right. Very good. I think this actually happened to us last episode because no one needs to turn the page at all because your favorite panel is my third favorite panel. So that top scene of Bolt's ship flying above the city, I ranked as my third favorite. It was on my favorite page. My second favorite panel, you don't have to turn the page there either because it's the silhouette of Mercy in the bottom left-hand corner. So this favorite page included my third and second favorite panels. So it is a fantastic page. I love everything about it. But you will finally have to turn the page in order to get to my favorite panel. Okay. We'll actually flip very quickly to the very last page of the story because my favorite panel is the alternate view of the cover. Uh-huh. I do love that scene. It's an exciting pose, both on the cover and here on the interior pages of Mercy with Bolt and Paul in the background and those ships flying in to attack them. It's a stunning picture in both versions, and I love it. So that's my favorite panel. That makes sense that you would choose it. You love it on the, the cover and on the very last page. It's time for Who's Who when we talk about significant characters from the stories and get to know them a little better. We don't look ahead because we don't want to spoil the stories for anyone reading them for the first time. That means we'll revisit characters over time as we learn more about them. First up, Mercy St. Clair. She is a bounty hunter known as a trekker. She lives in Antari Valley, which is a bad part of New Gellif. She spends most of her money on weapons for her job and food for her pet scuff, which is a dox, which is a cross between a dog, cat, and a fox. And eats dox food out of little cans. That is true. Next up is Alex St. Clair, Mercy's uncle. He's a lieutenant in the police force. The police and trekkers don't generally like each other, but these two are very fond of each other, and they sometimes collaborate on cases. Molly Sundowner is a local shopkeeper and Mercy's best friend. She takes care of Scuff when Mercy is away, and she likes to give Mercy advice, whether she wants it or not. That's right. Paul Clemens is a police officer who works in the same precinct as Uncle Alex. He's trying to build a relationship with Mercy, and he convinced her to go away on the Venusian tour, but it hasn't gone the way he hoped. We meet back up with the Rigel agent from early in the series. He gave Mercy the nickname Firecracker, and she countered, giving him the nickname Space Case. 
but in this issue, we learn his name is Jason Bolt. We've been hearing about Rigel throughout the series, and we learn a little bit more about them in this issue. We met Felicia Lantis last issue, who we were told was a diplomat traveling with important political documents. But it turns out her real name is Seva, and she murdered a group of scientists and escaped with the plans and genetically modified brain needed to create and use a weapon known as the Babel Cannon. Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share listener feedback we received since the previous show. Your support is a great way to get attention for the show. Thanks to everyone who took the time to send us feedback and to share news about Trekker Talk with your friends. So please consider telling others about the show by tweeting, sharing Facebook posts, or any way you like. Our friend Chris DC wrote to let us know he enjoyed the recent podcast and wants us to keep them coming. So Chris, here's another one for you. Aaron Myers shared a photo of his issue number one of Dragonlance, illustrated by Ron Randall. That was a great series. And Martin Gray, Ryan Daly, and Greg A. were all on an exchange on Twitter about good podcasts, and they thought to mention our show as one that they all liked. Thank you, guys. Brian Mulvey wrote in to share his favorite page and panel from issue number four, The Janus Voyage. He says he chose page 127 of The Tourist on a Spacewalk for several reasons. Having been on a guided tour in Italy, it rang familiar to me as one day in the future, this could be a very real occurrence. Darren pointing out that it was as though Ron started with a black page and added the lighter shades was a great way to look at it. And his favorite panel came from page 129, as the couple are battling, as most of us do, and Paul follows Mercy into the room. The horizontal panel shows a comfortably furnished stateroom with dramatic black and white contrast. He closes by saying the podcast is a tribute to a terrific storyteller, Ron Randall. And Brian also sent us some pictures of some original art he has. These included a page by Ron Randall from the excellent Warlord series and an amazing portrait of Captain Picard from Star Trek The Next Generation. We'll post them on Facebook and Tumblr so you can check them out. We also want to extend our Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media since last episode. These are people who favorited or retweeted our tweets from at Trekker Talk or liked our Facebook page. We sincerely thank all of you for your support and appreciate what you do to help promote the podcast. It's a great way to get more people to discover Trekker. If we miss a name, just let us know and we'll correct it in the next episode. And also, please forgive us if we mispronounce your name. If you email us and let us know, we'd be happy to correct that next episode as well. So our thanks go out to Aaron Myers, Ace Kilroy, Professor Alan Middleton, Alec Coleman, Ange, Anna Sharlingham, Arthur Curry, Between the Pages, Bob Fisher, Bradley J. Tim, Brian Mulvey, Christina Orlana, Colin Smith, Comics I Read, Count Dracula, a.k.a. Ryan Daly, David Gutierrez, Diablo Frank, DeSugar, Earth Destruction Directive, Ed Moore, Eric Mannix, Gene Hendricks, and Greg A. Jason Venable, Jefferson Wolf, Jeffrey Rubinoff, The Great Colorist, Jeremy Colwell, Jim Rimaldi, Keith G. Baker, Kirk, Kettlebell Barbados, Lumi Holm, Martin Gray, Mike Worth, Mickey Flash, Pablo Ventura, the excellent team at Periscope Studio, Rob Kelly, Rolled Spine Podcast, Ron Randall himself, Roy E., Scott Gardner, Schaefer, Star Fox, Steve Rogers, Stephen Derrick, Stephen Whistler, The Hammer Strikes, Tim Mason, Tim Wallace, Timothy G. Kramer, Tony Greenall, Tony Wolf, Too Dangerous, and Traditional Animation. Thank you all so much. We sincerely appreciate it.
It's time for the Trekker Toast Award, where we recognize someone who's gone above and beyond in supporting Trekker Talk. We are fortunate to know a fine podcaster and fellow comic fan who is giving us lots of support. He consistently retweets all of our podcast announcements, and he spends time on the Trekker Talk Facebook page, where he always likes our posts and occasionally leaves comments. He's also promoted our show on his own podcast. So we lift our glasses and give a terrific Trekker Toast thanks to Ryan Daly. Thanks so much, Ryan. We really appreciate it. Ryan does several podcasts, including Secret Origins, Flowers and Fishnets about Black Canary, and Dead Moth and Spies about Star Wars. We'll include links in our show notes for those of you who want to check out his podcasts. And we'll be back after we play a couple of promos for some comic-related podcasts that you may enjoy. Dinah Lance is a fighter, and her one-woman war is against the czars of crime, the frightened men who dread the blonde bombshell, otherwise known as Black Canary. Writer Robert Kaniger and artist Carmine Infantino created Black Canary in 1947. She debuted as a masked femme fatale that kind of skirted the law, but pretty quickly she evolved into a civic-minded crime fighter. She has mastered multiple martial arts disciplines and unarmed combat forms. Her canary cry, when properly focused, is powerful powerful enough to punch a hole through a wall. Black Canary has, in one form or another, been part of multiple incarnations of the Justice League, the Justice Society, and Birds of Prey. I freaking fell in love with Black Canary, and I'm proud to podcast about her adventures in comics and television. Flowers and Fishnets, a Black Canary podcast. Sawate. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. It's time for What's Up when we talk about other things going on outside the world of Trekker. After months of not seeing a single movie in the cinema, we actually got out to three movies in about a month. First was Jurassic World, which was everything you would expect it to be, action-packed and fast-paced, nothing extraordinary or revolutionary, but a fun film to see on a hot summer day when you want to get a break inside an air-conditioned theater while having some popcorn. I like to call those popcorn flicks. Yeah, I think you and everyone else in the world. (laughs) (laughs) It's hardly your original word. (laughs) Very good. So as you all heard last episode, I recently had a birthday, 
And on the weekend after my birthday, Ruth took me out to see a movie, and I chose to see Shaun the Sheep. We're big fans of Aardman Animation. It is a British company that makes not only the fun Shaun the Sheep series about an oblivious farmer and his mischievous sheep, but also the hilarious Wallace and Gromit shorts and movies about an inventor and his faithful dog who frequently has to get his owner out of trouble. And our personal favorite, which is Creature Comforts, where the production team interviews people on the street and then animates various animals to make it look like the animals are doing the talking. The result's hilarious, with clever juxtapositions and choices in selecting characters and context. It has to be seen to be fully appreciated. By chance, we were in London once when a whole flock of Shaun the Sheep statues had been scattered across the city in iconic locations to create a scavenger hunt of sorts. Each statue was decorated by a different artist, and they were later auctioned off to raise funds for a children's hospital. The exhibit was called Shaun in the City. We'll find a few photos and post them on our Facebook and Tumblr pages so you can see some examples of Shaun in London. You've probably seen events like this before, as various cities in the U.S. have had similar events, usually using a local sports team mascot for the statues. For instance, our local college football team has a wolf as a mascot, and a few years ago, wolf statues were all around the city decorated by different artists and later auctioned for charity. And just about a week after Darren's birthday is our anniversary, so on that weekend we went out to another movie, and this time we chose to see The Man from U.N.C.L.E. Yes, our longtime friend Hugh had given us a gift certificate, so it was a perfect opportunity to see another movie. The Man from U.N.C.L.E. was a good, fun espionage adventure with a dash of humor that captured many of the elements that made the old TV series enjoyable. We didn't care for the dark backstory that they gave to the two heroes, but the rest of the movie was quite fun, and we would definitely see a sequel if they make one. And since the last episode, I had an unexpected but fun thing happen. Our local NPR station has a daily radio show called The State of Things, where they discuss various topics going on across the state. In addition, about once a month, they do a show focused on movies. They recently asked listeners to send in their favorite Alfred Hitchcock film for their Movies on the Radio segment. That is both an easy and difficult thing for me. It's easy to think of titles since I like most Hitchcock films. However, it's a difficult thing to do because, since I like most Hitchcock films, it's hard to decide which one's my favorite. But I settled on North by Northwest and sent in my choice. I don't know if they randomly selected or if I said something in my email that caught their attention, but in either event, they contacted me and had me record a very short segment saying why I liked that film, and they aired an edited version of my comments during the broadcast. It was good fun. Next up, I'm sad to say we have another segment of Mercy Memorials. As I'm sure many of you are aware, the beautiful Yvonne Craig passed away on August 17th. She originated the role of Batgirl in the Batman television series in 1967 and remains our favorite Batgirl. Fans will also know her from guest appearances in many television series from the 1960s and 1970s, including Star Trek, The Wild Wild West, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, McHale's Navy, It Takes a Thief, Land of the Giants, Emergency, Kojak, The Six Million Dollar Man, and many more. She also appeared in movies including Gidget, In Like Flint, and two Elvis Presley films. We were fortunate to meet her at a convention several years ago and found her to be a lovely lady who was very appreciative of her fans. Her family posted a touching message to fans on her official VonCraig.com website that you should check out. Also, as fans of Mike Grell will mention that he posted a tribute to Miss Craig at his MikeGrell.com website. The two of them had known each other for more than 20 years, and he had some very touching words to share about her.
Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. Also, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and Stitcher and giving us a good rating. Those are terrific ways to help get the show noticed and hopefully attract more listeners to help Trekwork fandom grow. The show is also available on TuneIn and Podbean.com. If you like the show, please consider subscribing so you'll always know when there's a new episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you want to contact us directly, send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com. We're at facebook.com backslash trekkertalk. On Twitter, we're at trekkertalk. And we're on Tumblr at trekkertalk.tumblr.com. Please use hashtag trekkertalk and hashtag trekkercomic in your messages to help other fans find and follow the conversation. Plus, if you have ideas about other hashtags for Trekker or Mercy, let us know and we'll share them. On Instagram and Twitter, we've noticed Ron Randall using the new hashtag Trekker Soundtrack when he posts the albums he listens to while working. It's very nice to get an insight into the music he thinks about when he's working on Trekker. Also, please visit Ron Randall's official TrekkerComic.com website where you'll see a new Trekker page every Monday. And remember, Ron Randall has a couple of additional convention appearances upcoming. In September, he'll be at Rose City Comic Con in Portland and Baltimore Comic Con, which we'll be attending. Then he'll be at ZapCon in Fresno in October. We encourage any of you who may be planning to attend those conventions to stop by his booth and say hi. And if you're going to be at Baltimore Comic Con, let us know and we'll have a Trekker fan meetup during the weekend. Also at trekkercomic.com, you'll find links to all of the ways that you can find Ron Randall, from Facebook to Twitter to Tumblr, and he often responds to posts on his Facebook page and on his Patreon site. So post to his pages and let him and other fans know what you think of his new Trekker pages. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll come back next month for another new episode of Trekker Talk. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended.